Hi everyone, my name is Arjun Sharma and I want to welcome you to the History for the Future podcast, where I talk about people and events that shaped our lives and what we can learn from them. The aim of this podcast is to help you learn from history and make better choices in the future. One of the main reasons humanity is able to progress is because we learn from our mistakes and build on our successes. As long as we keep understanding our history, we will continue to make informed choices in the future and grow as people and as a species. This is made true in the quote that reads, if we do not understand our past, we are doomed to repeat it. America is a great nation, but not one without its low points. The most notable of these is slavery. Fortunately, the institution was outlawed in America in 1865 with the passing of the 13th Amendment. Unfortunately, racism remained prevalent in the United States and resulted in segregation, Jim Crow, and the loss of black rights. Luckily, many leaders emerged to fight this oppressive system. People like Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, and of course, Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929, in Atlanta, Georgia, to Michael King and Alberta King. He was actually born with the name Michael King, like his father, but King Sr. changed both their names to Martin Luther, after the German priest. King was born to well-educated and traditional parents. His father and grandfather were both Baptist preachers, and King was surrounded by some of the most prevalent Black schools and businesses of the time. He received a great education and was part of a large, loving family. Despite this, the young King did experience prejudice and hate throughout his life. He wasn't allowed to play with his white friends as his friend's parents wouldn't allow them to. He wasn't allowed to eat in some places, pray in some places, or even just be in some areas. On top of this, his grandmother, whom he was very close to, died when he was just 12 to a heart attack. He was left unstable and distraught and even attempted suicide by jumping off a two-story building. Despite his great education, he found it hard to get into college because of the color of his skin. Thankfully though, he was admitted to Morehouse College due to a wartime effort to increase college enrollment. This was only extended to promising high schoolers and on top of that, King was only 15 at the time. The summer before college was spent in Connecticut on a tobacco farm. King had grown up in the segregated South and so he was surprised at the lack of segregation in the North. He even wrote letters to his family about how free Black people were in the North, both economically and socially. King originally studied medicine and law, but in his senior year, chose to become part of the ministry. His view that the Black society became complacent under oppression was passed down by his father, as well as his mentor and the college president, Benjamin Mays. After graduating in 1948, he joined the Crozer Theological Seminary, where he earned a bachelor's in divinity and, head of the Mon- and heard of Mondas Gandhi's ideology of nonviolence. After this, King attended Boston University, where he studied man's relationship with God and received a PhD in this as well. 
Here, he also met Coretta Scott, a woman who would later become his wife in 1953 and give birth to four children. Before we continue, I have a quiz question to ask you all about Martin Luther King Jr. Today's question is, how many times do you think he was arrested throughout his life? You think about it, and I'll tell you the answer at the end of the episode. On December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks famously refused to give up her bus seat to a white man and was arrested. In retaliation, the black community in Montgomery, Alabama boycotted the bus transportation system. In case you don't know, a boycott is basically when a large group of people refuse to accept services from a commercial or social provider. In this case, hundreds of people refused to take the bus and an organized group known as the Montgomery Improvement Association elected the young Martin Luther King Jr. as their president. He was elected mainly due to his high status in the church, familial ties, and his incredible education at such a young age. As president of the MLA, King displayed his incredible writing and speaking abilities to the world. In passionate, well-worded speeches, King proclaimed how the boycott was necessary as a warning that the black society would no longer settle for anything less than their white counterparts. The group disbanded after the boycott officially ended on December 20th, 1950, 1956, after the buses agreed to desegregate. Before this happened, though, King and his family were threatened and his house was bombed. But nevertheless, he persisted. After this win, King organized the SCLC, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, to speak out against segregation and Jim Crow on a national level. In 1959, the Indian Prime Minister Nehru welcomed them to India. King took inspiration from Gandhi's supporters and the African fight against colonialism. By observing these, he concluded that nonviolence was a powerful weapon and the only one he needed to end segregation and hopefully steer the people away from racist ideologies. It wasn't all great, however. King soon moved back to Atlanta, where he became co-pastor with his father at the Ebenezer Baptist Church. He committed a minor traffic violation sometime later. He became involved in student protests against segregation, but was soon arrested along with 33 other people near a department store in Atlanta. The charges were dropped, but King was still sent to Reedsville State Prison Farm for violating his parole for his minor traffic violation committed months earlier. President Dwight D. Eisenhower refused to intervene, but the new Democratic candidate, John F. Kennedy, did. Kennedy was elected eight days later, and King was released due to this intervention. There were many leaders in the fight for civil rights but a few things made Martin Luther King Jr. shine out among them. He was young and understood the power of emerging technology like television. He was also well-educated even for a white man of the time. King was incredibly charismatic, 
was a great writer and speaker and was unnervingly determined to see his goal of equal rights for black people through. Using this determination and his knowledge of spreading message, he made nonviolent protests more popular by speaking out in support of them and President Kennedy's administration. In 1963, King received nationwide coverage, but unfortunately for a horrible reason. Policemen had hosed down many of King's demonstrators and police dogs wreaked havoc on the peaceful protesters. King and many other supporters were sent to prison. King was sent to Birmingham jail, but hundreds of children were arrested as well. Many black clergymen were not arrested and the white clergymen sent the imprisoned King a letter questioning his reasons and his tactics. King responded with the famous letter from Birmingham jail in which he used his incredible rhetoric to convey his goals and rebuild faith in his nonviolent tactics. After this, King and other civil rights leaders organized the legendary March on Washington on, April, on August 28, 1963. Once again, the famous orator gave an incredibly well-worded speech that has now come to be one of the most famous speeches ever written. King's I Have a Dream speech conveyed his wish and belief that soon all people would be equal, no matter their race, gender, or anything else that may divide them. Soon after, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed, ensuring that any public commodity would not discriminate on the basis of race. This was also the year that King received the Nobel Peace Prize, which he did on December 10, 1964. In his acceptance speech, King conveyed, conveyed how he believed that men are not bound by their current state and that no one is held back by what they are or what they experience right now. Up until now, many people supported King, but this would soon change. Large-scale opposition first really formed after the 1965 marches in Selma, Alabama. One of King's groups was met with tear gas, which was thrown by the state troopers. King organized this march, but he didn't lead it specifically. Determined to succeed, he personally led another march in Selma, leading 1,500 people, both black and white. This group also met with state troopers, but instead of, but instead of the tear gas, King led his followers in a prayer on their knees. After this was done, he turned around and left. While many young radicals hated this move, the 1965 Voting Rights Act, which outlawed discrimination at the polls, proved that its peaceful tactics were working. Despite this obvious progress, many were upset at the slow nature of this progress. Specifically, not much had been done about discrimination in housing which led many to anger. Many considered King to be too cautious and patient. They thought he was too old to lead the movement despite him being in his thirties. Malcolm X even called his refusal to act violently to an oppressive system criminal, citing how King was often the victim of violence. To combat this opposition, King began to focus on a wide variety of topics. One major topic 
is, the, is protesting the U.S.'s involvement in the Vietnam War. King also diversified his movement. Near the end of his life, King often stated how sick he was of marching, protesting, and living life under threats of death. He said that the need to end the suffering of Black people and the Holy Spirit were the only things keeping him going. In 1968, King was organizing a Poor People's March to Washington when it was interrupted by a personal trip to Memphis, Tennessee. According to his speeches prior to this trip and people close to him, it seemed that he sensed that the end of his life was near. While staring at the Lorraine Motel, he decided to climb to the second story balcony and was shot dead by a sniper. James Earl Ray pled guilty to the murder, received 99 years in prison, and rid the world of one of the most influential people in history. Ray later stated that his confession was beaten out of him by policemen and he was innocent. King's family members seemed to believe this, but on April 23, 1998, Ray died before a new trial could be held. The killing is still controversial and people doubt who the real killer of Martin Luther King Jr. really was. Nevertheless, Americans everywhere, specifically in oppressed groups, grieved his death. After his death, a memorial was erected near the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, and the holiday came to be after years of controversy. His legacy of nonviolence and civil rights lives on with them. Martin Luther King Jr. was a hero to the oppressed people of America. Through his nonviolent means, King managed to help pass many major civil rights laws, and his legacy inspired the civil rights laws of today. He is by far the most renowned and influential activist of the 20th century, and his name will live on in history as a champion of the persecuted and a role model to all. Now for the answer to my quiz question. King had actually been arrested close to 30 times during his life. For such an outspoken black man of the time, this is unfortunately not that uncommon. But it still shows how determined he was to succeed even after enduring so much suffering. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. I hope you all learned something new and remember that history exists for the future.